Pray tell, Annabella, why would you be walking this demon into our town? Justin Finch said. The mayor's girth was masked in the darkness of the moonless night. The golden glint of his embroidered tunic peered out from beneath his heavy cloak. Three town's guards were with the mayor. Lee Strader, a known attendee of the Red Hands Meeting House, stood with Grungor and Kevin, two half-orc guards. All three had the dark, emotionless eyes brought on by exhaustion and self-righteous anger. Annabella spoke up. This isn't what it looks like, Mayor. And we don't have time for this. It looks like you're trying to destroy my town from inside. Mayor Finn. It's Dunsmere. I'm, I'm cursed. Dunsmere! See? See? The prophet is right, Lee said. The church is filled with demons. Thank God that demonic bitch Charlore walked into the meeting house. Theos is about to cleanse this town. Shut up, Lee, Mayor Finn said. Cursed, you say? What did you say about Charlore? She's at the Red Hand's house? That's what I saw. Dunsmere was very aware of his blade's distance from his hand. Demons, the returned one to law, said that there were traitors among us. Annabella, I can't believe it. We knew the church was filled with nothing but hate-filled monsters, but a merchant? A pillar of the community? I always knew your husband was a traitor. Makes sense you would be one, too. Annabella spun into the shadows. Then, she was in front of Lee. Lightning reflected off her dagger's blade as it pierced Lee's throat. The human was on his knees, trying to dam the waterfall of blood. The two half-orc guards charged Dunsmere. The paladin leapt to the side. He smiled. The new reflexes of his body were outstanding. Mud splashed onto him as the orc's mace destroyed the ground next to his left boot. A backhand strike of Dunsmere's sword took Kevin's arm off below the elbow. Theos was with him. Dunsmere might not feel as close to his god as he did once before, but this was proof of Theos' love for him. Grungor's club smashed into Dunsmere's shoulder. He rolled onto his back. He reached for his sword, but his arm didn't respond. Panic started its ascent from his belly. Grungor brought his club down straight toward his head. Dunsmer could feel his arm again, but he didn't think he had time to grab the sword before the club smashed in his skull. Dunsmer called the name of his god once more. Grungor's club fell to the guard's feet. A line of blood appeared down the orc's tunic. The cloth fell open a dam breaking to a flood of orc innards. Dunsmere rolled out of the way of the bloody falls. Annabella smiled at him, smug satisfaction across her face. Twice now, Theo saved him, once by Dunsmere's own hand and once by the talent of his friend. The mayor, Dunsmere said. The rotund provost was nowhere to be seen. A trail of hoof prints in the mud were his only legacy. There was no time to chase after him. Vengeance wasn't their prime objective. Do you think that Charlore's in the meeting house? Annabella nodded. He was telling the truth? At least he believed what he said. Dunsmere called to Theos to heal his shoulder. Though the divine presence was closer, Theos' power didn't flow through him. It would take time, he knew. 
Maybe there was something with his body that insulated him from Theo's power. Do you have a potion? Grunger broke me. Of course. He drank the fluid and felt the magic coursing through his veins. His bones snapped as they reformed, or formed anew. Dunsmere had no idea how it worked, just that it did. Do you have many left? Ah, that was my last supply. I haven't stocked them like I used to, and I wasn't exactly planning on returning home. Through the mud, they made their way to the meeting house. The streets were empty, still recovering from the carnage of the day. Had it only been a day? Dunsmere shuddered, thinking of the dragon and the children. He prayed for Alice. Did she even live? Voices could be heard through the rain and the cries of the war party outside the city. They sounded as though they were coming from the meeting house. The cellar door of the meeting house bounced in the wind. We could make our way in there, Dunsmere said. So what's the plan? We break in and murder the Red Hand and save Charlour? It's simple, but it's all I have. Annabella shrugged. Her eyes were darker than her shadows. They both jumped as a figure came out of the alley. Odie Weir, dressed in his Red Hand guard's uniform, appeared. The sight of Dunsmere froze the stable owner in his tracks. Odie's eyes went wide as a blade point emerged from the front of his throat. I'm not a fan of killing, mind you, but sometimes in dire situations, of course. As he took in Dunsmere, Tapper froze in an almost perfect imitation of Odie. It's all right, Tapper. You're not in any danger. It's Dunsmere, Tapper. I've been cursed. The goblin stopped, tilted his head, and looked Dunsmere's new body over. The traitor shrugged. That's an understatement, Dunsmere, if you'll excuse the observation. You're terrifying. We need to save Mother Charlure, Dunsmere said. No, 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 Tapper said. Mother Charlure and Arda and the rest are all fine. We need to hurry, though. We have to get the Adenia Stone and, and get it back to the church building. Our building, mind you, not the meeting house. Good guy's church. We don't need that stone, Annabella said. She held up the portal key. Maybe, and I don't mean to tell you what to do with the shadows all around you and the purple blade. I, I believe the stories they tell about you, but I believe it might be best if you made your way to the cathedral, the good guy's church. That's where the innocent people are, after all. Might be best to get them out of here before, you know, the demons and whatnot. You both should come with me. Charlure can handle herself. Would you leave Baldo and that den of vipers? Annabella nodded understanding. What about you? She asked Tapper. Nah, I gotta, you know, stopping these people is important. Even if we don't need it, we can't let the red hand keep that stone. Also, mind you, really wanted to be a citizen in this town for a long time. And if this is where I end up, I'm okay with that. With a nod, Annabella disappeared into the shadows. So, you want to steal this stone? No, but mind you, this is my strength. I can provide cover while you do it. A small crossbow with more pulleys and levers than Dunsmere had ever seen was in the goblin's hand. Dunsmere opened the cellar door. Hate-filled eyes greeted them. Mother Charlure expected that there would be hatred for Arda, but she didn't expect to be looked at as an outsider herself. Hello, she said. 
the congregation's abhorrence for her existence was palpable. Mary Beth mumbled something. It gave Charlure an opportunity to delay them from going to the cellar. What's that, Mary Beth? Mother Charlure said. I said it's not right that we allow them in. Mary Beth was speaking to Tobias and Alal. We know they are evil and hurt children, church or druids. Theos doesn't tolerate either. Mother Charlure was stunned by the accusation. She knew they felt this way, but to see this level of abject hate from a woman she had known for a quarter of her life was devastating. She prayed her mantra to quell the self-righteous anger in her soul. Mary Beth was once a devout follower of Theos. With the help of St. Allegis and Theos, Mary Beth could be reforged into a true member of the church once again. The words the woman spoke didn't matter, Charlua reminded herself. It killed time. It allowed for Tapper to make his way down the stairs and to get the stone. She didn't think she could distract them long enough to allow Tapper to make it all the way back to the cathedral, but she could get him as much time as possible. Dunsmuir was careful not to slip as he walked down the wooden steps. Thunder rumbled as he stepped onto the dirt floor. Shadows bathed the walls. Flashes of lightning projected his large silhouette on the ground. There was a sister's set of wooden stairs leading into the meeting house itself. There were some intense voices coming through the door. He had to move quickly. The cellar was filled with broken chairs, tools, and crates. A high-pitched whine grabbed his attention, like the sound of a bowstring against metal. He saw the stone. He heard its humming and made his way to it. Now, child, Tobias said, Theos is a loving god. We hate evil done, not evil doers. Those words were a passage from the Decalogos, the writings of St. Allegis himself, a beautiful passage that reminded even the most zealous paladin to speak first to find the good before striking with their hammer. From Tobias' lips, it was hypocritical at best, and a lie at worst. You're right, prophet, of course. It's not I who am right. It is Theos, as he spoke righteousness into this world through the prophet Elegius. There were cries of agreement and praises of Theos. Elal nodded along, his face a mask of paternal concern. An intricate bas-relief of an elf with tentacles coming out of its eyes covered one whole side of the Edenia stone. Dunsmuir felt as though small bugs were walking over his flesh. A grunt as he lifted the stone. Nausea forced stomach juices to the back of his throat. The weight of the stone felt twice as heavy. Hurry, Dunsmuir, Tapper whispered. Dunsmuir heard his friend but had no desire to respond. Though he felt terrible, he was drawn to the stone. The high-pitched whine now sounded more like a mother's lullaby. He was calm, open to the stone. The paladin laid the stone on the dirt floor. A little blood, and he could open the gate. He could find the singer's voice. The owner of the lullaby. Was that his mother's voice? Never knew his mother, but... He was certain that it was her voice calling to him from the stone. Mother Charlure scrambled for a question. 
Stalling was imperative. Tapper was quick, but he couldn't be that quick. I thank you for mercy, Prophet. But what about the passage of St. Merriman that says that the white hand of Theos will turn red with the blood of his enemies? They stopped and looked at her. Confusion spread among the congregation. Was that not the verse you quoted to me earlier? She asked Alal. There was a murmuring among the crowd. They may hate her, but to her surprise, they were thoughtful people. That revelation shook Charlore more than almost anything that night. These people's actions had been so out of line with who they were, it seemed as though they were under a spell. Never did she consider that they might be leaving the church for the red hand due to some kind of reasoning. Their logic and conclusion may be flawed, but they thought their way there. These people wrestled with these questions and they still chose to leave her flock. How had the church not provided for these people before? She thought she'd run the cathedral as close to Theos' will as possible. She loved and cared for many of the people in this room over the years. Still, almost a third of Tuck's Edge made their way to this meeting house, determined that they were somehow more in step with Theos than over 1,000 years of Theosian church knowledge. We must work with the allies Theos gives us, my child, Elal said, for a much greater threat is outside these walls more agreement. There was still hate directed at her, but there was also a suspicious acceptance among many of the Red Hand. The speed with which they followed their master's lead astonished Charlour. Master said she was to be trusted cautiously, so they trusted her cautiously. A part of her was envious of this demon in person's skin. Then, how can you ever know who is an ally and who is a foe? Arda asked. Law's face grew into a smile, a grin with no mirth, no merriment, and a few too many teeth. The delay in descending the steps enraged the demon. A furious grimace appeared for just a second before resuming a smile of numb joy. Prophet Tobias spoke up. Wonderful question. We always welcome doubters at the meeting house, do we not? Maybe we can make this mother of the woods a true believer in Theos. More murmurs of approval. Some hopeful laughter scattered among the true believers. The way we know this is because the red hand path, the true path, eliminates the needs for saints. We interact with Theos directly. Then why is the Decalogos so important? Mother Charlotte asked. Why not just ask Theos directly. There was a condescending laughter that ripped through the congregation, though Charlure could also see some doubters. A nice byproduct of the question meant for distraction. If she could cause some derision in the ranks, that would be ideal, but the delay was enough. Dunsmere, Tapper whispered. Charlure can't keep them busy for very long. Speed is necessary in this situation. At the sound of Charlure's name, the lullaby's spell on Dunsmere was broken. There was some laughter from the other side of the door to the house. It wasn't filled with merriment. The stone's weight pulled at his finger joints while cragged edges cut into his skin. Rain fell through the open cellar door, each drop tapping the wooden steps in rapid succession. Mother Charlure pushed self-doubt from her mind. 
She had to keep them talking, had to give Tapper the time he needed to retrieve the stone. Only a demon in people's skin would ask such a question, Maribeth declared. How could you even call yourself a follower of Theos and not know this? Calm, calm, Tobias said. I understand the fire, Mary Beth. Believe me, I do. But as Alal has stated, we are allies in this most present of endeavors. And you know how the church can blind the eyes of even the most ardent. When you first came to me, Mary Beth, were you much different? Mary Beth hung her head low. No. So we need to offer grace to our guests. Could you please enlighten us, Mary Beth? Mother Charlor asked again. Mary Beth's eyes could have murdered the priestess. Why don't we retrieve the stone? The law said. Theology for another time, Tobias agreed. They opened the cellar door. A strong breeze rushed at them, covering them in rain droplets. The outer cellar door banged against its wooden frame. At the base of the opposite steps was a large demon. A true demon. One of Tot Oman's standing there in the basement. Mother Charlour was shocked. How could this happen? Their plan was simple, to make sure they could improvise in the moment. How could they have accounted for such a thing? They are working with demons, Mary Beth cried. The woman spit on Charlour's cheek. Dunsmere, hurry, they're, they're right here in, in case you weren't aware, which I see you are now, Tapper said. Dunsmere? Mother Charlour said. Alal said nothing, but leapt down the wooden stairs to the dirt floor. His sword was in his hand. You demon bitch, Mary Beth cried. The woman grabbed Mother Charlour by the throat with a leap. Mother Charlour was in the air. Mary Beth's entire weight was on her windpipe. They landed on the wooden stairs. Charlore screamed as something popped near her lung. With a swing of her mace, the Mother Superior collapsed the side of Mary Beth's face. Her weapon rang like a gong as it chipped bone. It was that, or be choked to death, Charlore knew. And Theos didn't put her on the Great Isle to be killed by some idiot woman. From the top of the stairs, Arda unleashed a battle cry to Shamhara. Tobias and the other red hand engulfed the druid shaman. The tall, blonde elf in red armor impressed Dunsmere. The paladin wanted nothing more than to pull a blade and fight. From foot positioning to the guard, every motion spoke of a talented and trained swordsman. Now was it the time. The stone in his arms was his mission. Once again, the stone called to him. Traveling through the stone wasn't the best idea, but it was appealing. Fixated on the stone, Dunsmere almost didn't notice the blonde elf's blade as it came for his head. The paladin was on his back. The blonde elf stood over him, his sword raised to end Dunsmere's life. A crossbow bolt sunk into the elf's arm, then another on the opposite arm. Go, Dunsmere, now, Tapper cried. The paladin was on his feet and ran up the stairs, chased by the screams of combat behind him. Mother Charlour cried out. Dunsmere stopped. He wanted to turn back, to save her. The paladin knew he couldn't. Tapper wouldn't be able to carry the stone by himself. 
Dunsmere prayed to Theos for her protection as he and the goblin ran through the mud to the cathedral to be continued. Thanks for listening to What Happened at Tuck's Edge, Part 9. What Happened at Tuck's Edge, Part 9, written, read, and edited by Alexander Floyd. Dunsmere created by Benjamin Floyd. Music from filmmusic.io. An upsetting theme, Wretched Destroyer, Vanishing, SCP-X4X, and our story begins, all by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Licenses 4.0. CreativeCommons.com slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0.